Sometimes you gotta go back to actually move forward. I don't mean all the way back to dental school. Let's face it, that was an awful experience. But when it's all said and done, you still have questions. That's what Paul and Justin are here for. To answer your questions as your dental business mentors. What's up, everybody? This is Dr. B. I'm here with Dr. E. Dr. E, Dr. B, B and E, breaking and entering <laughs> into your We're brain. Yeah. Bacon and eggs. Those Bacon are all the ones we came yeah. up with. <laughs> Somebody wrote one in not that long ago, maybe two months ago. I can't remember what it was. But it was good. Right when I read it, I was like, I don't know what this means. Why did they write me this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we talked about B&E that one time. <laughs> totally forgot about love it. it. I love it. I love it. What's the question here that we got? Yeah. So the question is, there's someone talking about metrics. Like, this is somebody who's just signed up for a big, they got a bunch of metrics now. They didn't have all this information. What is important? What do you guys focus on the most? And what do you guys feel about metrics? So Justin, how do you feel about metrics? What do you focus on the most? What are your most important? Most of the metrics that you have in a dental practice are lag measures, right? They're a reflection of what's happened historically. And you influence them after the fact so that you can make better decisions moving forward. And we call them KPIs or key performance indicators. At the end of the day, it's just data. It's information, right? We go back to quotes like, you can't manage what you can't measure. And that's true. It's why we have percentages and report cards and things like that it's helpful for us to gauge our performance. And so if you want to run a business that makes change and progress objectively, objectively versus emotionally or subjectively, then metrics are just a key component of that. I mean, there's not a business in the world that's well run that that I can think of that doesn't understand their numbers. Bottom line is they get their money right, right? So what are some key areas that we look at? Well, one is going to be, I'm not going to go through all these different metrics. I don't think it's a useful exercise. We could send people this in an email and there's tons of online resources for stuff like this. Dental Business Mentor has all this information as well. But effectively, collections percentage is something that's very important. You want to look at your net earnings and your net earnings will basically tell you what do you have left over on your profit and loss statement? What do you have left over in terms of cash? Once you've paid all your bills and all your liabilities, and that's a very important number. We also want to look at new patient flow because that is the lifeblood of the majority of practices. We also want to look at hygiene. How much revenue do we have per provider? What is our reappointment rate of patients from the hygiene chair back into that hygiene chair for their next appointment? This is what we mean by metrics, right? You take a measurement from the previous month and then you use it to make inferences about the future as well as changes. And for example, we look at our collections percentage and it's not where we'd like to see it. Or if we look at our new patient numbers and they're not where we'd like to see it, there's a lever that we can pull. The only way there's going to be levers to pull is if you had a system to begin with, right? So metrics is often the first place that people realize they need a system because they start figuring out the how. And folks like us, we've been at it for a while. We sort of have go-to solutions. You know, sometimes we have to adapt. We talked about that in an earlier episode, you know, we reducing insurance dependence to improve P&Ls. But let's take one quickly before I pass this on to you. Let's take your net earnings, okay? So my net earnings is only 10% of my total net productivity, let's say, okay? 
Well, I don't like that. I'd like to see that at 15 or 20%. How do we get it there? Well, it starts with a very clean profit and loss statement. You'll hear us say that all the time. But guess what? If that is boring to you because you've heard it before, good. The stuff that you're going to do to grow and leverage the business and increase cash flow is not exciting and sexy and fun. It's it's boring. The P&L is your roadmap. It tells you where your leaks are, and then you get to seal profit leaks. So then you can go ahead and take a look at your lab. You can take a look at your wages. You can take a look at your supplies. You can take a look at each of these individual areas and determine which of these areas you can influence in order to increase your net operating income. Now, that's one piece of it. The second piece is you influence net operating income by improving productivity, right? Like net production. If you have a higher net production, generally you see that number go up as well as as long as you're continuing to control the expenses. Those are some of the core metrics we look at. My book, High Performance Practice, Management, Marketing, and Leadership has a whole list of those. Dental Business Mentor website does. Do a Google search. There's dental economics, all kinds of sources out there. Paul, what's your new book? Dental Practice Hero 2, how a three-day work week can give you the life you want. Right. So I think there's 10 metrics you've identified in there. So if someone's looking for a deeper dive, do that. But the take-home point is you can't manage what you can't measure. Definitely form a list of metrics that you want to be looking at pretty much every month and understand how to influence those so that you can actually produce tangible results in your practice. I think one of the things I want to point out is that we do have these services that come into your PMS and they can pull all this data and they can be these nice graphs and all this stuff. When we sign up for these as dentists, we go, oh my gosh, look at all this stuff. I don't know how to use this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what there should be. That stuff's great. I'm not talking crap about those services. I'm just not a huge numbers person personally. So you don't need to be a big numbers person, but you do have to focus on some things because You don't have to get so granular as some of these things get. Just because they can measure it doesn't mean you have to do anything about it. But like you mentioned, collection percentage. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Probably one of the easiest things, I think, to fix as far as like what kind of systems to do. You got to have a 98 or higher, 98% or higher. You just have to. You have to collect on the dollars. But, you know, a big one for me is dollar per hour. I think like dollar per hour. What is a hygienist producing dollar per hour in collectible dollars or gross? Whatever you want to measure. What is an associate doc producing dollar per hour? What does the office produce dollar per hour? So I like looking at those numbers. That's a big metric for me because that kind of guides how I will set up my scheduling template, how I will coach different hygienists. If I have a low dollar per hour hygienist, we might go in there and say, what is the fluoride percentage? What is the percentage that they're performing laser procedures on their patients? Are they having a lot of cancellations? They give you information so you can take a deeper dive. Big one for me, reappoint rate. Are we reappointing 85% or more of our patients? I didn't do this very much in my early career. And We were attritioning a lot of patients that I think we could have kept in the practice and we could have grown a lot faster. Now, we were seeing tons of new patients, so we didn't feel it. We're like, screw it, who cares? You know, we're doing fine. I don't feel slow, but when you started looking at that metric, I'm like, dude, I'm losing so many patients. So I think reappoint's a big one. New patients, obviously, everyone's looking at new patients. We could all use new patients. And the other thing that you mentioned, profit and loss statements, I like to look at my labor. What is my labor cost as a percentage of collections? Because If it is higher than 25%, I want to see, do I have a production problem? Do I have a collection problem? Because I want to produce four times what my labor costs. I want a 25% payroll, and that's including everything, 401k, benefits, all that stuff. I want that. That's becoming a little bit more difficult in this industry after these past two years, because I know a lot of people that were running low, like 22%, are now running up there about 28% because everybody had to get raises because labor is scarce now. But I want to know that number because that gives me an idea of what do I need to produce and collect that I'm getting the proper ROI and I'm utilizing my human capital to the fullest extent that I should be. 
just wrapping things up, we need to have a focus on some things, but I don't think you need to be a number scientist to run your practice using it. Like you mentioned in my book, I put 10 metrics. I think this is all you need to know. And it's not a lot. And this information is available. You don't need to pay for a fancy service to get it. Now, have I paid for fancy services? Yes. Do I get some value out of those really detailed granular stuff? Yes, I do. And I do look at that occasionally, but it is not the compass that's guiding my practice by any means. So it's more for me. It's like, what do I see? What do I feel? And can I find some data and evidence to support it? And that's just how I run my practice. So anything else you want to add to that, Justin? I think that's all I want to say in it. You've touched on it all, man. And then it's the execution piece, right? It's people getting out there and actually once they've discovered what to do, they just have to keep doing it consistently. You know, if you find that you have a treatment acceptance issue, you know, well, now it's time to deal with that and and sit down, carve out the time, train the team. It's that piece that I see that people struggle with the most is they see a metric that's not favorable. They know what they need to do, but maybe are unwilling to make change or understand and have some dread associated with how much work it's going to actually take to influence it. They start thinking, well, it's not so bad. Dollar per visit. Do you like that metric or not? Because some people really love that and some people don't. I'm one of the ones that I don't like dollar per visit. I think it's a dumb metric. I'm just curious what you think about that metric. I don't have a strong opinion other way. I think it's more information and it's really just like an efficiency measure, right? It's like how productive are we per patient visit in the practice? And I don't have much more to say than that. To be honest with you, Paul, I think there's other metrics that are, you know, more important that people should be focused on. Like, for example, if you're focused on your treatment presentation, communication and conversion, generally those dollars per visit will go up, right? It's not that number that you need to be so worried about. If you're diagnosing comprehensively and educating yourself, it's like your dollars per visit should go up if you're good at converting, right? So I look at it as another box to check and another number to have. But without treatment acceptance numbers, I wouldn't just rely on that single number to make any major changes in our company. I think some people call this out like it's a leading indicator, like, oh, dollars per visit. If you could increase your dollars per visit, yeah, you would definitely have more revenue. Pending that you could see the same amount of visits by increasing your dollars per visit. Because if you're increasing your dollars per visit, you're doing more work for most people. Or if you could increase your visits, but how do we increase our visits the same dollar per visit? I just feel like it's an after the fact thing that some people put the cart before the horse. They're saying, no, I got to increase my dollar per visit or I increase my visits. I think it's neither the sort. It just measures something. I don't think it's something that you can read and act on personally. I feel a lot of people champion that metric and I don't personally think it's that great or very helpful. It's a good snapshot. And that's about it. And then it requires you to dig a little deeper as to why those dollars per visit are so low. Right. So it's a good starting point, but in and of itself, it's not going to help me take any specific action until I dig a little deeper and look at other things. Hey, how's your coaching stuff going? I remember last time we talked about that about maybe two months ago. Are you still looking for clients? Am I still looking forward to clients? Did you say? Or am no, I looking, looking not looking forward. forward. Are you are you taking more clients? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we definitely are taking on folks. I'm looking at it from a little bit of a different perspective. I think where in the past, it was much more of myself as the bottleneck and me doing one-on-one things. I get involved now in the beginning and set a particular meeting cadence with folks to help them with what I think is my true strengths. And then we have team members to help with other things. For example, we have Nav on the marketing side. That's been her core competency for a while. We have somebody else helping out with rev cycle type questions or administrative operational type questions. Overall, it's been more exciting that way so that we can actually provide more value to anybody that we bring on. And I'm not the only person holding the intellectual property, which becomes a trading time for dollars things. And I will just say, 
you know, the reason I originally started coaching was because people asked me to. <laughs> so, you know, it's a lot of people go into coaching because maybe didn't have something else going on. They sold their practice or they're slowing down or they're trying to create another income source and they figure that would be the income source to go after. Coaching for me has been sort of a, an interesting journey because I never really needed the money going into it. I always had the right amount of cash flow through different things, investments, existing practices, my own ability to earn in other ways. And so it was never really that as a motivation. And when I got into it, I found that what you're really doing is you're taking time out of your own life to help people solve the problems in their practices. And that always lit me up. Like I'm the, if there's a fire guy, call me. I like to, you know, when people are in crisis mode, I like to be able to help. And I feel like that's one of my areas that I'm I'm strong. And so that I get to continue to lean into. I get to help people out. I get to share the mistakes I made. I get to help them avoid pitfalls that they ordinarily would not. I help them reduce their stress where their stomach's just eating itself because they're so stressed about certain reviews or certain team interactions and conversations they're about to have. Like they feel like they're going to have a heart attack and I get to just come in and calm them. And I feel grateful for that piece of it, but we've kept the brakes on in terms of scaling. We're just so selective with who we're bringing in because I, as soon as I bring someone into my life, they now influence my time and my life because we charge very reasonable fees and because we like to really take ownership over our clients' practices and help them the best we can, I think we'll continue to take on clients, but we just have to be very selective with who that is. And they got to be serious about actually wanting to get shit done. You know, that's the key. So, so overall, yeah, it's good. It's good. I would say I appreciate being a client of yours where I can call you whenever I want and you will listen to me and give me advice and not charge me anything. <laughs> Yeah, 100%, brother. That's what, that's what friends are for. That's what yeah, friends are for. Yeah. All right, man. So dental highperformancepractice.com. If you're looking to hook up with Justin and some coaching, he is a wealth of knowledge, as I'm sure you all know. All right, we will talk to you guys all next time. Ever since we started using relevance online marketing, I could see a drastic improvement in our SEO. I mean, we are ranking so much higher when searching for dentists in our hometown. We are seeing more new patients and certainly someone you should give a, give a look at if you're considering new marketing companies. Just absolutely awesome. I would recommend relevance to any practice owner who wants to see what proper marketing can do for their office. I want to thank Dr. Paul Etchinson for introducing me to Relevance Marketing. They've done a great job, very thorough. I'm happy with the results. Thank you guys for all of your help. We never truly realized how powerful this could be. It's really changed our business for the best. I think they're definitely worth every penny. It's easy to communicate with, easily accessible, does what I ask, and even shows me some reports when things are going a little bit off track and what they're doing about it. You know, it's just a level of service I just haven't really received from other marketing agencies. Since we've been using Relevance, we've seen a tremendous growth in our business. I would recommend their services to just about anybody. Search engine optimization uh, and getting your ranking on Google to be the highest it can possibly be. The efforts uh, by Relevance and their team and the efforts and the things that they've done with the, uh, the SEO as well as the social media. Highly recommend it. So what are you waiting for? This is Dr. Paul Etchison telling you to get a free consultation with Relevance. As a listener of the podcast, you get the first month free and there is zero obligation to continue if you aren't blown away. Make this the year you grow your practice to the next level. Go to RelevanceOnlineMarketing.com to set up a free consultation. That's RelevanceOnlineMarketing.com.